Hello, and welcome to Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely deep literary merit, with your classy and sophisticated hosts, Alexandra Rowland, Freya Mask, and Jennifer Mace. On today's episode, we're discussing The Scapegraces by Hannah Abigail Clarke, Ring Shout by P. Jelly Clarke, and the fanfic 21st Century Girls by Spring Green. Hello and welcome to episode 82. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. (laughs) I'm Alex and I am Ginger Spice. I'm Freya and I am Ginger Spice. Hang on, I'm Macy and I think you'll find accent and all that I am Ginger Spice. As you may have realised, we are three (laughs) red-headed fantasy authors. I do love it when we do a joke. (laughs) And today we are talking about girl gangs, dear listeners. Uh, This is going to be great fun and very cozy and teamwork and all sorts of good found family feelings. But before we get into all of that, what have we been reading, fellow serpents? All right. My first book I want to talk about is one that is exceedingly relevant to the episode at hand. This is a YA book called Foul is Fair by Hannah Capon. It is a YA thriller retelling of Macbeth. Yes! And Mm. you might think, oh, that'll just involve, you know, some high school level revenge. No, no, there are multiple bloody murders in this book. (laughs) So the main, it begins with a party at which the main character um, is actually raped by a group of boys. It doesn't happen Mm. on, on page at all, but it is the initiating incident. And she... Uh, and her group of best friends, who are the witches of Macbeth, um, decide to get revenge on the boys. And so she changes her appearance, changes her name, and goes to the preppy school where all the boys are as a new transfer student, and none of them know who she is. Mm -hmm. And she sets about (laughs) systematically using the weaker member of the gang, who wasn't actually involved in the initial incident, who is her Macbeth, uh, to rise to the top of this social group and start killing everyone. It Amazing. Is, this is so you. It was so me. I don't read a lot of YA, but I loved the hell out of this. It pulls no punches. It is unapologetically vicious. And the relationship between the main character and her three best friends, who are 100% on her side, they will do anything for her, they like, take part in all of the murder schemes, and they are the coven of witches who are out to tell these boys that bad things are coming for them because of the bad things they did. Sublime book. If you like girl gangs, if you like Bloody Murder and Macbeth, like there's a lot of very clever (laughs) references if you know the play quite well. I thoroughly recommend this book. Uh, (laughs) Moving to a completely different genre, uh, I also read a literary fiction book called The Prophets by Robert Jones Jr. This is historical fiction set on a plantation in the South during the time of slavery. And it focuses Mm. mostly on the relationship between two young enslaved men who fall in love and start a relationship while they are working and enslaved on this particular property. And what happens within the relationships between the other enslaved people and the owners and how these interpersonal dynamics start to shift. It also involves flashbacks and 
a bit of fabulism, I guess I'd call it. So mm. it's like slightly speculative, but not a lot, like the way that literary mm-hmm. fiction often is. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is gorgeously written. It's quite difficult to get through. Obviously, the, the topic matter is quite tough, but absolutely unflinchingly beautiful book. Definitely recommend that if it sounds like something you would enjoy. Uh, veering again, I read a middle grade fantasy novel. Gosh, you're all, I, really all over the place, aren't you? I, all, I am all over the place. Well, one of the things I was doing is I was reading um, black authored books for Black History Month. Oh, yeah. And so Robert Jones Jr. is one and Amari and the Night Brothers, which is the middle grade that I read, uh, is by B.B. Alston. And the pitch for this is Men in Black meets Hogwarts, which is pretty much mm. spot on. It's about a young black girl whose older brother, who was perfect and achieved everything, and she was always comparing herself to him, uh, but loved him very much, has vanished. And she thinks it has something to do with his mysterious job that he never talked about. And then she <laughs> gets an invitation to try out to be a junior agent at the Department of Supernatural Affairs or something else like that. And her introduction to it is very Men in Black. It's got like that scene where you walk into this enormous space and suddenly there's weird creatures just going about their day everywhere. <laughs> Uh, it's really delightful. It's a very bubbly, hijinksy adventure, uh, but it focuses a lot on the relationships that she has and how she feels uh, coming to a space where she has to undergo some of the same underestimations and microaggressions that she's also faced uh, in her previous life. But she's very determined and she wants to uncover secrets and find her brother and maybe also learn how to use her own magical supernatural powers. Mm. It was gorgeous. I don't read a lot of middle grade either, but I loved this one. And finally, just yesterday, I read the new K.J. Charles historical romance, which felt like a return to form with her very frothy regencies that she had in her Society of Gentlemen series. So this is called The Gentle Art of Fortune Hunting, and it stars an extremely awkward and cranky baronet who is suspicious that the handsome young man courting his very rich niece is probably a con artist and a fortune hunter. He is absolutely correct. (laughs) and they fall in love it has a lot of like high stakes tense gambling scenes Mm. uh and a lot of discussions about what's right and what's wrong and what you do out of desperation and what people are owed versus what they inherit uh but it's also just a really lovely romance by kj charles who can do no wrong very true to type we we love we love kj charles yes so that's my completely Uh, mixed bag of recent yeah no kidding (laughs) Um, I have been reading, I actually managed to read some books, which is new and exciting. Um, I read Riot Baby by Tochi Onyabuchi, um, which is another Tor.com novella edited by our darling Roshi. And Mm. this is the story of a pair of siblings um, who the girl, as she grows up, develops extremely strong, I guess, magical supernatural powers, right? And her brother, trying to grow up as a young black man in America, gets kind of tangled up in gangs and ends up in prison. And it's kind of told in these snippets throughout their lives as the sister gets more and more, you know, righteously angry about what's happened to them and kind of gathers that up and uses it as uh, a power for herself. And it ends in this really kind of dystopian setting where the brother's being monitored at all times on parole with this future technology that's super eerie and controlling him. And it's just amazing the amount of ground it covers for a fairly slim novella. Mm. Um, which I don't know if either of you had that one already in ARCs, but... Uh, I have, yeah, I've read that one. Yes. It's really good. Uh, mm. 
And then the next book is a book that I am extremely angry wasn't in my childhood libraries because Tiny Macy would have died for this book. Uh, but this is Dawn by Octavia Butler. Mm. And this is the story of a woman after the end of the world who is taken by aliens, um, aliens who survive by genetic manipulation of other species and kind of melding themselves in the middle of mm -hmm. other species who have come along and rescued a small number of humans in the aftermath of nuclear war and are trying to repopulate the earth. And it's super eerie. Uh, the aliens work completely differently to how the main character does and they think differently. They have all of their technology is made of plants and animals that mm. they've genetically manipulated. And it's all about trying to navigate an alien culture and figure out what it means to be human and what you'll put up with to survive and what survival even means when the price of it is these aliens are going to change your offspring so that they are not human. Mm. Is mm. that something you even want? That um, sounds like a very Macy theme book. Yeah, it was making me think of the way that I reread and reread The Chrysalids by John Wyndham as a child. And I think that I would have reacted the same way to this book because uh, it's kind of a classic of science fiction. And mm. I wish I had come across it earlier. Yeah. And then, as well as that, I picked up a book of Czech folk tales from the 1800s okay. in translation. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like um, I wanted to connect more in the wake of my grandfather's passing with that part of my heritage. Yeah. Um, and so I picked up, it's called A Bouquet, and they are all in verse, and they are a little bit eerie in the way that Grimm is, mm -hmm. and delightful so far. So is it, so and, was it Czech verse that's been translated into English verse? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, uh, and the rhythm is really cool and like, you know how when you're reading a translated uh, sea novel, you yeah. can kind of tell that it wasn't initially yeah, in English? Yeah, because the, the rhythm is just a little bit different right. and sometimes things are phrased in a way that a native English speaker wouldn't immediately think to phrase them, yeah. And so this has a little bit of that and there's a foreword by the translator that kind of gets into some of the rhythms and the cross rhymes and all of that because in Czech it's one of the classics of the Czech literary tradition. And so mm. she wanted to be really respectful of that. And then I was going to mention one fanfic because I've been reading infinitely many fanfics, uh, mostly in Boku no Hero Academia. Most of those are unfinished and I try not to wreck unfinished. But this one is a novel length Buffy fairy tale um, mm. in which Faith, uh, after she accidentally kills the mayor's deputy, runs away to a dark tower where a witch lives. Oh, I love fairy tale like takes on modern canons. It's great. And oh, it's okay. called As Day Follows Night by the Eclectic Bookworm. And spoilers, which is spoiled in the tags of the fic, the dark witch is Jenny Callender. Ooh. Okay. So that one is very fun. Very good. Very good. It has been a weird season for me. Um, mm. I realized like earlier this week that I probably have seasonal affective disorder uh, or symptoms thereof, which Macy I don't think will be surprised about because Macy has made jokes to me before about how I am sun powered. <laughs> <laughs> Photosynthesizing is very important. Apparently it is. Um, because like I didn't read 
really anything this month ex except fanfic because I'm always reading fanfic and of course it's always like an untamed fanfic just as re as normal but like <laughs> I February in Massachusetts is extremely difficult because it was snowing at least once a week usually two or three times a week for like the first three weeks of this month and there was just no sun and I have just been like lying in a lump feeling blah um, and not really doing anything. And I realized like, oh shit, maybe I should get like one of those fancy lamps and some vitamin D gummies. And so I did that <laughs> earlier this week. And I think they're really helping because I feel a lot perkier and I'm getting things done. Um, so that means that I haven't read really anything this month that I want to talk about. And I'm feeling very embarrassed about it, to be quite honest Ooh. with you. Um, well, you know, because you guys are always yeah. reading ama amazing things. I'm just, I'm, I'm not mm. always. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I'm just talking about my feelings because my therapist wants yeah, me okay. to do that lately. <laughs> okay. um, Darling I listeners, assistive technologies are great and we support and validate all of you who use them and need them, including our Alex, who we support and validate yes. right now. Yes. And you don't always have to be reading things to be productive and smart. No. Um, <laughs> Um, but I did start a new, uh, C-drama, uh, yesterday, Ooh. uh, which was a recommendation from, uh, my friend Grace, uh, and this is, it just started getting the English subs yesterday, which is why I started it yesterday. Uh, <laughs> Do you want to see my text from Grace from yesterday, where she's trying to get me to watch this as well? Oh, she's <laughs> gonna come for you, probably. Uh, it's yep. called Word of Honor, and it is very gay. It's based on a gay web novel by the same author who wrote the novel that Guardian was based off of. And um, it is about this assassin whose, like, assassin sect uh, all dies out, and he's the last one. And um, he wants to, like, since all of his... his uh, sect brothers have have died he wants to also quit and like retire quote unquote except because they know so many secrets um he has to do this like torture thing to himself so that he will completely <laughs> lose the ability to he'll be just like a living shell of a person for three years and then he'll die and they gave Why? some reasons so yeah, <laughs> It's so C-drama. They gave some, like, random reasons in the show reasons, for, like, reasons, why... Reasons, reasons. They were like, why can't they just, like, kill him immediately if they don't want him to, to tell secrets? And there was, like, some hand-wavy reason. Point was, it's because they put, like, seven... Like, to do this magical thing to you, they put these seven nails into your body. Um, and so he did it himself. He put six of the seven nails oh, in, and then the emperor was like, no, you're forbidden from dying for reasons. Uh, and so now he basically has this... Like <laughs> chronic pain condition caused by magic, <laughs> which he has to like manage with with like meditation. It's actually kind of very cool, and like if he uses too much uh, chi, then he will sort of like collapse and spit blood, and he has to like meditate, and it keeps him from doing too many things. It's it's basically a, a chronic pain Nirvana condition. And fire. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and then he so he he disguises himself and runs off into the wilderness to <laughs> become a a, pe a peasant and a beggar. And like two years later, he meets this beautiful boy with a fan. And the beautiful boy, like, takes one look at him and falls instantly in love with him and just, like, follows him around, like, smirking and, like, gently waving himself with his fan and being a stalker and a slut. <laughs> anyway, I'm four episodes into it. I highly recommend it. They are married and they already have a son and a daughter. <laughs> okay. Oh, my... That's I'm all I want to, to tell suggest... you about today. 
darling, darling serpents, dear listeners, we're a quarter of the way through the episode. Oh, shit. Well, I'll probably cut some of that down in edits. Don't worry about it. <laughs> let's let's talk about some ten balls, maybe. Yes, let's, let's charge right ahead. All right, so we're going to start off with the fanfic temple. Yes, and yes. the fic that we that we read for this episode is called 21st Century Girls by Spring Green. This is a fanfic for a canon called 20th Century Boys, which is a manga mm. series. I'm not familiar with this manga series, but this fic was suggested to me when I put the call out to a couple of friends and said, look, I want some really good recs for transformative works that focus on girl gangs. And this is a very transformative work in that 20th Century yep. Boys is a manga series about a group of boys and the games they play as kids and how these games start to eerily play out in world events and they have to you know, work together and use their kind of kid fantasy magic powers to navigate mm-hmm. uh, dystopic events. And this is that same premise but using girls, and so coming at it from a different gender perspective and saying how can the gir- the games that young girls play, how might that then play out? And so it follows a group of girls from their childhood friendship, where they're all playing at being magical girls. They have this setup where they are, was it the Zodiac Knights or something? Yeah, the Zodiac Senshi, yeah. The Zodiac Senshi. Uh, and then it follows them through these events uh, between about 93 and 2015, uh, mm-hmm. where various things happen, there is a plague, there is the rise of a cult and a mm-hmm. charismatic cult leader, and it follows this group of girls, and it's told very out of order, because I think that's how the manga itself was told. Mm-hmm. It sort of jumps around in time a lot. Uh, and it features specifically on when somebody tries to get the gang back together as grown-ups, <laughs> uh, because one of their number has, they think, been sort of subsumed or betrayed them by joining uh, this cult leader. And I found this really interesting. Like it's a very nicely told story. I liked the, the way that it played with time. And I went and read the author's note, which is quite long. Mm. Um, they made a post on, on Dreamwith explaining where they started in writing this and how it relates back to the canon. And a quote from that really stood out to me. And they said, but most importantly for anyone who has made up games like this, it had a team everyone with distinct colors and personalities and planets and powers. Mm -hmm. So, yes, and so I love this. It's a really good demonstration of the appeal of a magical girl squad. Mm -hmm. And something like the Sailor Senshi or the My Little Ponies are a way, almost training wheels for the grown-up version, which is the Are You a Miranda or a Carrie or a Samantha. (laughs) As girls, it says... What is your color? What is your skill? Like, which one are you? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. it has this great focus on individuality within a team that has a shared value. You know, Mm -hmm, we are mm -hmm. all the different colors or planets. And when we're playing in the schoolyard, everybody gets to be one of these. You know, there's the one that you get to be, but we are playing as a team. And I think that is such a girl friendship and girl play Idea. Because you're meant to collaborate, yeah. Right? Yeah, That's you're meant to collaborate. To be a girl, little girls are meant to play together collaboratively and build mm. something. Yeah. But unlike with media, where the only option for you might be the girl one, if you're looking at yes, a group, are you Smurfette? You are the Smurfette. <laughs> uh, media aimed at girls to teach them these things says you get to be an individual as well, and no matter which one you are, 
Right. You, you, you're important. And I thought about one of my favorite movies of all time, which is St. Trinian's, which is a deeply yes. silly movie about a girl's school. And the final girl squad has, you know, some of the posh totty and it has some of the geeks <laughs> and it has some of the goths. Uh, and so everybody in it has their girl stereotype, but they all work together, you know, collaboratively as a squad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was my favorite thing about this. Yeah, that's wonderful. I read a little bit of the the uh, essay as well, uh, the first section, I think, and she mentioned that when she was a kid, uh, she and her little sister used to play Leia and R2-D2, and she was always frustrated because, like, um, or, like, she said, like, I always was Leia and my little sister was always R2-D2, and that really, like, resonated with me because... When <laughs> younger I, siblings. As a bigger as sister. As a bigger sister. Well, because when I was tiny, m- me and my little sister used to play Princess and the Orphan, and I was always very frustrated <laughs> because I was forced to be the princess, and I never got to be the orphan, which was really the Aww. better one to be because that one was the one who you got to be, like, adopted and taken care of, um, and the princess always had to be the one doing the work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that, that's really. I find that really interesting because you know the other sort of proto girl media is Disney princesses, yeah. and mm-hmm. most for most of them they are alone. Like they maybe have an mm. animal sidekick, but they don't have a girl squad. And right. there is something quite appealing about all of those the more modern things, like the Ralph breaks the internet, where you see all the Disney princesses right. hanging out together. Yeah, and or the Shrek marketing even. or Shrek even. Yeah, like the marketing <laughs> of the princesses as a group was this recognition that, oh, actually, you know, little girls want to be able to pick their favorite and color code the dress that they're wearing and be that princess. Yeah. Uh, And you can do it for a whole group of people. Mm. Well, and it's also super fascinating, like, Macy's corporate life dystopia corner. (laughs) Great. Great. So, so when I was when I was a young youth of a Macy, just graduated from college, joining ye large technology company, um... They were trying to figure out there's just not many women in this large technology company and there were just lots of teams that didn't have a woman on them at all. And so we're going to find these women and we'll put one on each team. And so what you ended up building was an entire company of Smurfettes. Yeah. Um, And then after a little while, they figured out that uh, like bunny rabbits, women in tech don't do too well on their own. (laughs) And you have to give them a friend. That's hilarious and adorable. And so they started deploying us in twos rather than in ones. But by that point, I had already Aww, been like, like Mormons. Oh no! Yes, you gotta have a buddy. You gotta, you know, hold their hand when you cross the right. street. Uh, <laughs> Someone to go to the bathroom it, with. Yeah, I'm like, I still have memories of like being the only woman in a thirty-person team and trying to argue about bestel rules with the dudes. Yeah, um, it's entertaining. Uh, but yes, girl gangs are more fun than that. Yes. And I think one of the things I really liked in this fic was the recognition that a group of girls is not a nice thing, necessarily. Mm. That they had the one member of the group who was the lesser member, which is super common, right? Mm. Yeah. There's a hierarchy. There's always a hierarchy. And you can generally tell who is the designated bottom of that hierarchy even if things shift around yeah and that that has actual consequences for them yeah yeah and the other thing that struck me about the fic as well was this um sort of the juxtaposition between 
them as girls and them when they are meeting up with each other again for the first time as adults and like the Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. uh i forget the main character's name but uh she is like making all of these like notes about like the ways in which her friends have changed as adults Mm -hmm. and grown um and how one of them uh uses atashi uh for the personal pronoun now which is very feminine uh when she hadn't been a very feminine uh child uh, kind of more of a tomboy right. and that was uh, was really striking to me to think about like how much we change as we grow and how much we are influenced by society as we grow to be to like fit into boxes better and i do feel like that's something that's hard to do in media because i feel like a lot of times um we use a shorthand of a visual recognition system and you have to be able to track from the little girl to the adult woman yeah. Right. So a lot of times they don't grow and change in that way because it wouldn't translate for an audience. So I thought that was really interesting. Mm. And I like I think because of how old the girls are when they become friends and the kinds of games that they're playing are very sort of young girl games. And I'm Mm going to talk about this a bit more when we get to one of the other tent poles. But they start young enough that they have a friendship that they think like this is a forever friendship. Like that's how mm, safe, mm-hmm. you know, that's how since she work, we are all, you know, we're, we're going to save the world. We're going to be together forever uh, right. without any recognition that as adults, of course, they will have to grow apart and grow into completely different people and then have right. that sense of significant awkwardness when they are all <laughs> reunited. And there's this sense that they should be trying to recapture the vibes they had as kids but you can't because they're all completely different people who've gone through many many stages of development and but at the same time there's enough left when it comes to like what were the shared values of us as -hmm. a group you know what actually brought us together in the first place and I really liked that the fic didn't try and make it that they were all going to be best friends again they weren't like they, they they could never be that close again but they still all had this residual sense of what were we working for and what did right. we care about? And where where within us are those little girls who still believe in saving the world? I love them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they were good very cute. They were very, very cute. It did make me think, it reminded me a little bit of, of Stranger Things uh, and the, like, the different types of games that we get to see. The, the gremlin girls as opposed to the gremlin boys on their bikes. Mm. Who happen to allow a girl to come with them? Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. Because yeah, gremlin girls do me. have different gremlin ways than gremlin boys do. Right. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. And the other main canon I can think of, which is like children growing up and reuniting and as adults to save the world, is it. Yeah. Which definitely has a Smurfette problem when it comes to the, right. the core group. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it is. It's it's like oh, we're being so feminist by letting the girl join in the fun mm. that is definitely in our shape. Yeah. Yes. But the games are still boy games very much right. yeah. Mm. yeah but the next tent pole is not really playing no the next no. tent pole oh my god the next tent pole is not playing at all jesus christ oh god so <laughs> i have the great honor of uh telling you all about ring shout by p jelly clark this book you guys it's a novella i think not a novel it's right a novella. I've, yeah, yeah. i whipped yep. through it so fast that when i was through with it i was like i have no idea whether that was a novel or a novella i feel like i'm like waking <laughs> up after this like a uh, fever dream it's incredibly good it's beautifully written um it is set in the 1920s in georgia and uh it is very much addressing uh, segregation and uh, racism and the premise of this it's very speculative the premise of this is what if being hateful 
opened you up to being possessed by cosmic horror terrors. Uh, and then you eventually transform into these, like, kind of like zombies, but not really. And you, like, get this thirst for, like, blood and gore and eating things. And it's disgusting and incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, like, the book is, I, I can't spoil the, the end for you, dear listeners, but the book is saying so many things about what hate is and how mm. hate corrupts us from the inside and what the difference is between righteous anger and hate um and -hmm. the main character maurice is a uh a young woman i don't think that she is she's 25 that's right it's like i felt like she was somewhere in her 20s she has a very cool sword that was given to her by (laughs) three supernatural women who might be sort of fey they're probably also like cosmic not quite horror terrors, but in that genre of being. Um, and so she's kind cosmic of... Cosmic aunties. Cos- cosmic aunties, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, <laughs> and she's kind of the chosen one who has been who has been given this, this sword and tasked with holding back the tide, as it were. And it was an incredible, incredible book. Yeah, and specifically killing Ku Kluxes. Yes. Because right? that's what the monsters are. They are what grow out of clan members. Yep. Um, and the opening scene of this book is just, it launches you right into the fight. Mm. There's like explosions and monsters and shotguns. There's, it starts with the three members of this group, the three women at the center of this book on a rooftop about to do some killing. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, I think that we are trying to do a little bit more of trigger warnings for the books that we talk about. So in case mm-hmm. you haven't guessed, there's a lot of gore in this book. Um, there is yep. there is some horror, but I, who am not someone who regularly consumes horror, I did not find this excessively scary for my taste. And obviously, lots of discussion of white supremacy, yes. racism, etc. Et yeah. So uh, take care of yourselves and read carefully. <laughs> Yeah, and I I did like this a lot as a again as a girl gang temple because all three members of the group are quite distinct mm-hmm. in yes. why they're in the fight, the skill set that they bring to the mm-hmm. fight. So Maurice is the chosen one, but she's also got what's the younger one's name? Sadie. So yeah. So the younger one, Sadie, who uh, has a completely different kind of fighting skill set and a different approach to relationships, <laughs> I love her. and she's great. She's, she's so, so good. She's so good. <laughs> And then there's the older one who goes by Chef, uh, who is a woman who is a lesbian and who is a World War One veteran. Yeah, which yes. I found fascinating, especially the yeah, the post World War One framing of this book and the inclusion of Chef and the way that she approaches being the senior member of the group and being a member of a fighting unit like she was right. in the war. Right. I found absolutely fascinating because I quite like. World War One based fiction. I've read quite a bit of it, and there is usually this sense of the band of brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea that's slightly romanticized of warfare as you know a, a place where male friendships and bonds form. And then you've it's got your unit these, are your family now. Yeah, your unit, your family. You know, we happy for you. We band of brothers, and there's so much media and fiction about that. And then this says, well. What if you could take that same thing and, and do it with women as well? You know, here is a group of women in a times frame when women were not usually considered to be fighters. 
who mm-hmm. are allowed to fight together and they are allowed to be the band of brothers except they're women. And I thought that really interesting because it's something you could only really do in that particular historical time period. Right. Uh, and I liked I liked seeing that. And they, they're all three of them are black women and they were brought together very deliberately by Nana Jean, um, who is a Gula woman who speaks in Gula throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was very interesting. Um, but it's very obvious that she's gathered a huge operation Nana Jean has, not just including these three as kind of her shock troops, but there's also spellcasters and researchers. And I want to say all of them are women. I think that there were some of the, the people who were doing There were the spellcasters. Yeah. Some of the spellcasters, yes, you're right. The shouts uh, were, were, were older men. You're right, Alex. Yep. Um, but the, the people who were doing the research, the, uh, what was, there was the German woman. The German Jewish woman, yeah. Yes. Mm. And throughout this book, there's all these intersectional discussions of, you know, communism and the rights of who gets to have what in this world. um, And from all these different perspectives, and most of them from different women's perspectives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I really love that. And I quite liked, again, is that how it's a war story Mm -hmm. with women. So in one sense, it is actually quite gender flipped. So the love interest for Maurice is not a fighter. He's somebody who, you know... Owns, the bar wench. Owns a bar, he's he's a the bar, bar wench. wench. <laughs> in male I love form. him. It's true. Like, he's quite, like, it's very female gazy the way that yeah. he is described. Oh, yeah. And the way that Maurice approaches her relationship to him with this sense of just like, oh, he might try and get me not to fight, but that's how I am. I've got to be a fighter. You know, <laughs> and, and then, then there's, you know, damsel in distress. And then he's a damsel yeah. in distress. Yeah. Like, it's, perfect, it's doing some perfect. very deliberate things with the gender roles, which I loved. Yeah. And the other thing that this book was doing really well was showing, like, the whole age range. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, like, you have the young women and you have the old women and you have the women who are in the middle. And a lot of times in literature, we don't get stories about the women in the middle who are still Mm -hmm. fighting and who are still being heroes. They're all these Banff fighters, but they all get to not only be women, but be women in their own individual ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even down to the clothes that they wear. Right. And like the ways that they approach sex as well. Um, that mm-hmm. was one of the, the contexts in which I noticed it most because, for example, mm-hmm. Sadie has this rule where she doesn't um, sleep with the same person t- more than once. Um, and it's it's wonderful that she's like given that space to be, to like have an active and varied sex life without being shamed mm-hmm. for it, either by the text or by the people around her. Right, right. But I was also promised some smart Buffy commentary. Mm. Oh, I, I wish you mean you wrote Freya say smart Freya, things say in smart. the document. It literally says, here's the dot point, dear listeners. I'll tell you what it literally says. Dot point, that... Buffy, open brackets, Freya say smart things, close brackets. And I would like to note that this was written by Macy. So the promise <laughs> of her receiving this talk was made by Macy to Macy. It, and it was, it was literally... In fairness, Freya witnessed me doing this and did not stop And me. it was five that minutes before correct. we start, started recording. So it's not like Freya has had some time to like prepare something. Are you okay, going to tell us some smart things, the text Freya? while Freya was saying smart things about That's Buffy true. with her mouth. That's true. And so I feel this to be fair. <laughs> Okay, so yes, I think this, that Ring Shout is a great text to discuss in conversation with Buffy the Vampire Slayer because it also sets up this idea of there being a chosen one yeah. who is chosen by some nebulous cosmic question marks mm. to fight the forces of evil in her generation. And she also has a little clique of support staff, mm-hmm. but she is the only fighter 
to when things begin. And I thought it quite interesting that Buffy tries to do a little bit of a more there can be, at least in the early seasons, there can be only one Slayer. Uh, and then when we get Faith in there, mm-hmm. it tries to show, you know, can there actually be two girls who are... Well, no, because... Girls have to fight. To they have to fight. They the have to have girl. an antagonistic relationship. Only one of them can be the queen bee slash slayer of this particular <sighs> group. Uh, and it's not until the final season where they start to say things like, oh, okay, maybe there could be multiple slayers in a generation and maybe a lot of young girls should be allowed to come into their powers and things. But it is still very focused on girls of a certain age. And I think Clark is clearly having absolutely none of that. But it also puts a whole different slant on it. Um, it's a whole lot less patronising when the wise trainer type is not a English dude in glasses yeah. being patronising at yeah. them. <laughs> when it's very clear that all of the women involved in this book are making their own decisions and have not been suborned or coerced by the ones they're working with they're reacting to trauma they're seeking justice but they all have their own reasons and get to make their own choices Mm -hmm. and i love Mm -hmm. that well there is still some commentary in ring chat about the fact that maurice didn't Mm. quite make an informed decision to be anybody's champion like there were things about her past and about the way she is as a person that made her a good champion Uh, but she's not quite aware of the entirety of what that means and what the implications are and where her power comes from Uh, until later in the book yeah right that is definitely true but we should continue if we want to have any time to talk generics because we have another tentpole to get to tell us about this tentpole macy this is macy's foray back into beloved ya um which is the book scapegraces by hannah abigail clark um and this is a book about the young outcast, the one who sits on the back of the bleachers scribbling on her nails in Sharpie, you know, that kid, yep. um, who is a witch and can do magic and who gets invited to the popular girl's early Halloween party to provide spooky bullshit. Yep. Yep. And then it actually works and it's big. And the three popular girls, it turns out, are also pretty damn magical. And so Sideways, our main character, kind of finds herself enveloped in this sudden female friendship that she's never really experienced before with these feral gremlins of a popular clique. Yep. Mm. And I love it. I think I described it to you guys as like kind of the, the My Chem aesthetic, mm-hmm. but like very, very teen girl chaos uh poetic darkness yeah. and the spooky. void loves me it, even if no one else does <laughs> it's very it's very the spooky wiccan phase that we all had when we were 14 we have had on our like list of t- episode ideas dot points we've had like maybe an episode about our spooky witchy phases when we were 14 <laughs> that we've never gotten around to in three years but here it is <laughs> yeah. i speak for yourself i just don't dress that way i never grew out of the phase no i know no i know and <laughs> like i think that, that this w- is known about i Macy. think that that would have been the point of that theoretical episode that we never did was that like we haven't quite gotten out of that phase because i still do tarot cards and you still dress like that (laughs) because it's 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 a fucking amazing phase yeah Uh, it is a good phase a phase it's 
I don't know, a way of relating to the world. But yeah. we mm. are getting away from But it's, it's not just a way of relating to the world. It is a, and this is only on one, one very small level, acknowledging that, you know, Wiccan as a religion is something completely different. But the witchy phase mm. for teenage girls is your first female power fantasy. Mm. It's saying mm, here, is, here is an area of power that I am allowed to explore as a girl and it's a little bit forbidden which is great when you're a young teenager <laughs> um, and it's a little bit sexy and it's a little bit spooky uh, and especially in this book um, it's all wrapped up in the ambiguity of how you feel about other teenage girls mm-hmm. so right. sideways mm-hmm. as a I think she she comes is she lesbian she lesbian yeah like she thinks occasionally about boys in a very like mm, theoretical kind of way but yeah. sideways is a big old lesbian and so she's pulled into this incredibly intense group of girls mm. being and she doesn't know how to act because she's never had these close friendships so she doesn't know does she the physical contact that's going on is that am I allowed a, to have am I allowed that? to have like, that is that yeah. is it an overture is it just that these girls are very intense about touching their friends like how do I act are they making fun of me do I want to mm, be them do I want to familiar. date them do I want them that's to be familiar. my friends forever it's yeah it's such a big <laughs> queer girl mood yeah yeah and she feels Why everything she so intensely and these girls are so fucking extra about yeah. everything and I, I love, love that because it's this is a YA book, like it's the epitome of YA. And right, what yeah. I was saying earlier about these young girls playing games where they don't realize they're going to grow up and, and f- grow apart, there mm. are brief mentions in the text to what their plans are for university. Like I think Daisy's like, oh, yeah, when I go off and do pre-law, blah, blah. Mm. Like there is this awareness that they are coming to the end of girlhood, mm. that they are going to probably split up and go their separate ways. And so while they are still young and together and wild girls, they are going to be as wild girl as they possibly can. Like the intensity is greater because they know it's going to end, which I thought was great. But there's also uh, like... The, I have not spoken very much about the plot of this book. Oh yeah, maybe maybe because I'm a disaster. Yeah, we just got excited uh, so, about it. <laughs> so we because it's a very exciting. It's very book. exciting uh, book. So there are witch hunters in this world, right? Yes. There are witch hunters who who come to the party who pick up sideways and take her away and threaten to basically rip out her soul uh, and eat it. Uh, insufferable uh, are, blonde course, boy witch hunters. Yeah, they're very they're the Quiverful family, Ugh, right? Yeah. There's like yeah, they're gross gross heteropatriarchal bullshit um and so part of this is this baby coven of four new witches who've just discovered that they can magnify their power by working together and do real magic Mm. are now at risk from this bullshit witch hunter group and so it's trying to figure out, you know, who's coming for them? How do we protect ourselves? How do we cast spells to protect ourselves? Not just from the supernatural threat, but also from the threat of rapey boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, warnings for kidnapping, attempted assault and stuff like that in this book. Um, since we're doing trigger warnings. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's, it is. It's, there's some stuff tangled up with Sideways's love interest that we won't spoil for you for the end of the book, mm-hmm. but for me was a fascinating, twisty, thorny way to end it. Whereas for me, and we can cut this if you think it's going to be too spoilery, but for me, like that, that was, what am I trying to say? It was telegraphed so hard from the beginning mm. because sure. it's a YA, um, it's such a YA trope. 
this idea yeah. that you fall for the wrong person. But because yes. it was tangled up and done very differently and done in a sapphic way, you're never quite sure. You're like, is that trope the trope that we're doing here or are we right. doing something different? And yeah. that did add this like this good tension to it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think mm. that's too spoilery think, to mention. No, I don't think that's too spoilery. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I think that's it for me. It was the the... So the three girls of the initial clique very clearly feel that men are dangerous. Boys are dangerous and set against them. Mm -hmm. And so to me, having that to a degree subverted at the end was interesting. Because it's not that they're wrong, it's that they're not entirely right. Right. Mm. It's not only men. Yeah, <laughs> and I think and when, when we talk a bit more about like the idea of queering the girl gang, I think that yes. comes into it because yeah, and that is queering this, it. It's that exactly is queering, queering it a lot it. because right. you've got this sense of like that the, the boundaries of you know this is my gang of girls and we might talk about boys and quite mistrust boys and we might date boys but girl gang first. Right. If the people you are dating are also are girls, also are the girls. boundaries to this permeable or not? Yeah, mm. yeah, right. And you know, it's making me think of of all the horror movie genres, which this book also clearly loves, stuff like Jennifer's body and all of this. And it's saying, hang on, the lines aren't quite that clear, right? Yeah. It's more complex. Gender is more complicated than that to start with. Uh, and when you start changing up the sexuality as well, if you're playing to the YA sexuality threat space, how does that change when you queer it? Right. Yeah. I mean, we may as well talk about that one here, I think, because traditionally there's this idea of the sisterhood mm -hmm. you know i've got my sisters with me you know my girl gang my friends are my sisters um, and once you do start bringing in queerness and even like intra-group relationships so the possibility of you know more one or more of the girls in the group mm. bringing romance into their own relationships it does change a little bit the classic girl group sisterhood vibe and there is that strong sense of gender essentialism in the trope yeah. that is only just mm -hmm. starting to be explored and queered and made more murky yeah mm -hmm. yeah because like and this is a thing that i was thinking about with all three of the tent poles um like as as your non-binary slurpent um <laughs> i like none of the uh girl gang media that i have seen and par partially this is just like queer erasure um but mm -hmm. when you talk about girl gang media it's always um, cisgender girls and mm -hmm. like you don't get trans girls in the girl gang you don't get non-binary uh, afab people in the gang and I think that that would add another really interesting and complicating element because you're trying to both figure out who you are as an individual and also who you are in your identities and mm. on like all of these complicated different axes that could change from even month to month because like I remember being right. a teenager and like things were very fluid <laughs> back then and I didn't know who I was from one month to another. And that's making me think a little of the girl gang, literal sister gang yeah. in Wild Beauty, um, which does deal a little bit in uh, one, I don't think it was one of the, the cousins, but certainly one of the interests, there's like a genderqueer character who is assumed at the beginning of the book, everybody assumes that she's cis female and that's not the case. Um, mm. But I think you're right, Alex. I think I'm hopeful that we will start to see more of that as yeah. 
that becomes more examined. And I suspect there probably is some out there now in that contemporary YA sphere that we don't read Mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like we're not not big YA readers, so I think there probably is where lots of this stuff is happening at the moment. Yeah, Mm. because I think that that is stuff that the youth of today are very interested in and much more aware Mm -hmm. of now than I was when I was their age. Um, The other thing I wanted to talk about with uh, Scapegraces before we move on to uh, talking Mm -hmm. about uh, more general things was how well Scapegracers portrayed the cruelty of teenage girls and how Mm. nebulous, well, not so much nebulous, but how, again, like very fluid because like once they decided to be nicer to uh to sideways once they decided to like take her into the group they took her into the group and they were like oh we're friends now like it doesn't have to be a big thing you're mine mine now and sideways felt kind of like not quite trustful of it because you know she's felt like an outsider for so long and i think that she has been on the receiving end of a lot of teenage cruelty from other people her age Mm. um and it's kind of hard to get past that uh, when you are shown kindness for the first time and, and community bonds. But hmm. I think one of the other things that the book was saying to start with was just that, where was it? I, I, I took a picture of a quote of a thing that Yates, who is the human embodiment of sunshine, and I love her, she's <laughs> adorable, says early on, um, I'm not sure if I like you yet sideways, but you're with me now. And people don't punish boys who hurt girls because people don't care about girls. So when I find them, the people who hurt sideways, and I will, I'm going to make them drink nail polish remover. It's good shit. And that idea that, like, they are feral, vicious creatures. And they are that for a reason. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like, you have to be in some ways. Because the world, Mm. when you are a teenage girl, like, the world is so set against you. And you kind of have to develop sharp claws in order to... You have to save yourself. You have to save yourself, right. Yeah. Mm. And this and, and this book in particular is showing that feralness and fearness turned outwards, like the girl, the girl mm-hmm. gang as a protective group. Um, but there are also media out there that look at what happens when the situation within the girl gang has some of that toxicity, like Mean mm-hmm. Girls mm-hmm. was very much about that. And I don't think it's that one is better than the other because you see both of it. You see you know the the admission that you can have toxicity and power dynamics and queen mm-hmm. bee and the one who doesn't quite fit in within a girl gang and within a clique um, which we saw it, in the first tent poll yeah 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 so i think both of them definitely can tell different types of stories yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so can we have a taxonomy let's have yes, a taxonomy we promised we promised freya we would do a taxonomy tell us <laughs> about your taxonomy freya <laughs> it's not a beautiful you can like sort yourself neatly into it but i came up with quite a few dot points for if you are telling a story with a girl gang mm, in it, mm-hmm. what is what the purpose called? of your girl gang? What sure. is its yes. primary reason for existence? And so the dot points I came up with was emotional support. So this is the sex in the city model. This is the, you know, these are the people that Golden you can discuss girls. things with. They're the people that you, you know, chew over your day. And, you know, that's what it is. It's emotional support. That's what mm-hmm. the girl gang is for. Then I had a revenge squad. Love that. <laughs> Which is very much what the Foul is Fair uh, book mm-hmm. that I was talking about is, mm-hmm. but also is um, 
if you think about it, Ocean's Eight is kind of a revenge. I was wondering sport. where you would sort sort mm-hmm. Ocean's Eight. I, 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 it fits into a couple of these. I think it does fit into a couple of mm-hmm. these. Yeah, and then we have <laughs> a fighting things unit, which is definitely where Ring Shout fits into. Yep. yep. Um, but that also has things like uh, that we're going to talk about a bit more, like Charlie's totally Angels. Totally spies. Totally spies. Totally spies. Yeah. So spies, <laughs> Debs, bless no. Debs. Yep. Charlie's yeah. Angels. So the girl fighting units. That's another one in the taxonomy. Um, Sailor Senshi. See, yeah. that's why I wasn't at all. That one I have this idea of like someone to play with, like a, a group of people to play with, which then transitions as you go into adulthood mm. to someone to work towards a goal with. Yeah. Yeah, that's legit. I think with the Sailor Senshi, it's because in their transformed form, they are a fighting unit. Yes. And in their day-to-day form, they aren't. So they, they aren't. have, they contain multitudes. Yes, so they can be the emotional support, support someone to play <laughs> yeah. with, to, yep, someone to work towards a goal with. And then I had a dot point, which is, be gay, do crimes, slash be gay, do witchcraft. <laughs> okay, there's Ocean's 8. <laughs> Which is, there's Ocean's 8. There's Ocean's 8. Although that's more to do with, yes, you, you can actually, you can queer this or you can not queer this as mm-hmm. you wish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then mm-hmm. I decided that girl musical groups are their own <laughs> dot points. And this is because I feel like the Spice Girls are just this uh, girl gang for yeah. so many people yeah. of our age. Like sure. it was the first time we were being presented with these real, real in quotation marks, obviously quite marketed. <laughs> but here is some. Here's a group of girls doing girl power. They are producing Do you the Spice music. Girls movie. Now, yes, the Sp- oh my god, the Spice Girls movie. <laughs> they're producing music. They're being presented. We are dating as, ourselves. They're being presented as friends, um, but they have very distinct color coding and personality yep. coding, yep. and you know, we are. <laughs> we made the ginger spice joke, the fact that ginger is not a personality, but <laughs> apparently it is. And <laughs> yeah, and so girl girl um, pop groups are another type of thing where they have kind of, they're working towards the same goal, but they're being marketed again as something that little girls can pretend to be. You can yeah. pick mm-hmm, your favorite mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know much about uh, like the K-pop world and things, but I'm pretty sure that someone out there could say some very intelligent things about the purpose of uh, modern day girl gangs in K-pop mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. they are marketed and what the purpose of that marketing is. So I demand that we sort the slurpants. We are a girl Ooh, gang. So aren't we each get to be a type. Are we? <laughs> is this meta girl gang? Like are we we are a girl gang, but then each of yes. us individually has to be our own type. No, no, of no. Girl I gang. think no. what the three serpents. Oh, together, what, what we are. What oh, is right. our gang? Ooh. I think. Well, I think we're kind of by default be gay do crimes because we're all yes. girl queer. <laughs> Um, but we don't do many. We crimes, don't do that Alex. many crimes. I think we could be do gay, more do crimes. podcast. Be, be gay, gay, do, do podcast. podcast. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> isn't doing a podcast is... kind of a crime? <laughs> that's somewhere between crime and witchcraft. So that's quite appropriate. Honestly, it's you're not wrong. Witchcraft. You're very not wrong. It is somewhere between crime and witchcraft. <laughs> There's another T-shirt idea for us that we'll never make. <laughs> oh, be God. gay, do podcast. <laughs> be gay, do podcast. Uh, <laughs> Oh dear! Uh, how, many, are we, how many of those do we? Are have? we also kind of a a fighting things unit in that we are fighting against the general mainstream attitude towards fan fiction? I don't think so. I think no? we, we, I we think don't stab enough things. things really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, well, we have elements of emotional support, and we have we elements of girl musical group in that we are producing <laughs> correct <laughs> producing something for people's ear holes together. Sure. I think for me, Freya, I am going to insist that the girl musical group taxonomy setting isn't something that's organic it's something that's constructed Mm. Mm. that's true 
as I think as that's kind of the guy. point of why it's different, right? Mm. Um, and so we're not that because we're almost the opposite. Well, but on the other hand, at the beginning of every episode, we declare which one we are. So on the other hand, it yeah. kind yeah. of is artificial. <laughs> but I think, but I think, and if you're talking about types of narratives with girl gangs, a constructed girl gang that becomes a found family, yeah, yes, is Love very popular. Narrative. Which is like that's kind of what Ocean's Eight, you know, yeah, would be doing. Especially if it was something like a TV show where they had time to actually develop the interpersonal relationships between different bits of the group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the idea mm-hmm. is, it starts with we bring the gang together. Everyone has their own skill set, but there are a mismatched group of people who don't know each other, who then right. get forged into. Uh, a more emotional support slash we are a team with a shared value slash goal group. And I think that that's uh, one of the craft things about crafting a girl gang or any ensemble cast um, is really what? how much do you develop the individuals in that group and how much does your story depend on multi-POV in something like, you know, um, oh, Six of Crows um, or one of the others. Um, versus something like Ring Shout, where it has these really vividly drawn members of the group, but it's very clear who the protagonist is. Mm, mm, mm. Right? And how do you have a protagonist for the sake of the book without the gang having a protagonist? Because that's a weird dynamic. Gangs don't really have protagonists. Yeah. Mm. And it depends on the medium you're using. Like Ocean's Eleven Mm -hmm. is a movie, so it has a protagonist who is the head of the gang, we have one person who she has history with and an intense relationship with, and then we have everyone else who are sort of sub- support stuff. support. They are the, <laughs> they are the supporting characters basically. If it was a TV show, you could probably get away without having a single protagonist. I would argue that cons and heists do always have a protagonist because you have the mastermind, yeah, and the mark, and the mark. But speaking of other media with girl gangs in it i was having some big thoughts as i was reading tent poles because i was thinking about like all of the media where you have these girl gangs and they're they're badass and they're punching things and at the same time wearing leather pants wear, they're wearing like sexy leather pants right and the whole time like they're still being produced for the male gaze right Mm -hmm. um like deb's like charlie's angels where you have like this group of literally girls right young attractive women who are highly sexualized who even though they are in a profession that literally requires them to kill people they are still framed as being quite delicate people Mm. and they're infantilized by their by their handler like they're addressed as oh hello girls the whole time Mm. and i would argue that deb's is basically making exactly that point yeah so deb's is saying looking at charlie's angels that whole idea of hello girls blah blah blah, you know and says okay let's take this to an extreme to point out how silly it is Mm. and Mm -hmm. then we will muddy the waters even further by making it a queer love story and so they are dressed as school. They are literal schoolgirls. They wear tiny plaid skirts and ties on their missions. God, they, okay. and it is, and that it is very like it is seen as ridiculous. Like nobody would actually it. do this. Yes. It skewers it, yeah. and then it skewers it even further with the fact that the main character, the beautiful blonde schoolgirl spy, you know, falls in love with the supervillain who is also a girl. Mm. And sure, like they are both quite femme, they're both, you know, conventionally attractive, skinny women. And yes, you know, 
they wear these tight clothes and things, but it is still poking fun at the whole idea of yeah. infantilization of this kind of character. Well, and I think looking at characters like Buffy, like Dark Angel, um, those like the tiny waif who will punch you through a wall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you had a comparison here, Alex. Yes, I think yes. to a much better example with Andy from the Old Guard. And honestly, like right. I keep every time we think about girl gangs, I think about Andy from the Old Girl from the Old Guard, and I rec- I remember like, oh wait, her the rest of her team yeah, isn't yeah, girls. Yeah. But I kind of feel like like Andy is just like so badass. She's like, no, you guys are my girl gang, even though you're not girls. Mm. but like also you have the the wonder woman backstory yeah like mm. wonder woman came from the ultimate girl gang and then she gets and now has to deal with men and then the she gets isolated her and, yeah she gets isolated yeah. she's she's a girl gang member who suddenly has been turned into smurfette yeah here's a girl gang for you with a smurfette boy okay mad max fury road yes you're right uh, you're right you're very yep. right another, another- one very clearly saying a shit ton about male gaze and female gaze um mm. and looking at that scene where they drink the water in the desert yeah. and you see the wives for the first time um, Charlize theron just likes playing a particular kind of character <laughs> in her particular kind yeah. of movie doesn't she we love that for her um, we do uh whereas the thing that i hate and will continue to get mad about is fucking joss whedon and his baby slayers oh, yeah. and the dollhouse Ugh. and his born sexy yesterday fetish shut up joss yeah. whedon i don't just yeah. i don't think i have anything else to say other than that just like shut the fuck up joss whedon and river song and river song not river song hell no, uh river, river tam yeah. river tam yeah and river tam yeah. and just like why can we not yes yeah yeah. Anyway, we could probably go on for a very, very long time about the girl gangs that we like, but I think we are out of time. <laughs> I think any just final out of closing yes. remarks from our girl gang serpents? I would love if our darling listeners do think of any good examples of girl gangs, YA, whatever that does have NB or trans members. Tell us about Ooh. them. Oh um, yes. Oh, actually, I just thought of one. Um, uh, Steven Universe. Ah. Because the gems are all technically non-binary, although they all they all use she/her, but that makes me feel better. Crystal gems. There we go, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) An NB slurpent can have some NB superheroes as a treat. As a treat. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely, extremely deep literary merit. I adored these tentpoles. I mean, I'll always encourage you to seek tentpoles out to read yourselves, but particularly these ones. They're queer and furious, which uh, is a mood. And I feel like, as much as I love queer norm and misogyny-free and other escapist trends in fiction, sometimes... I want to read a piece that sees the ways the world is fucked up and decides to punch them in the face. Narratively speaking. Or literally too, I guess. We are very pro-punch Nazis on this podcast. Anyway, we have some even more exciting topics to talk about in upcoming episodes. On the next episode, two weeks hence on April 7th, we'll be discussing Alex's favourite ever space film, That's right, it's a Space Sweepers deep dive. So make sure to check that out beforehand, if you want to avoid spoilers. And if you have a friend who's into stuff like that, maybe give them a heads up. In the meantime, 
feel free to continue the conversation with us. Questions, comments, breathless adulations? Contact us at serpentcast at gmail.com, at serpentcast on Twitter and Tumblr, and if you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. And by the way, I bet you'd form a rad coven. The white supremacist heteropatriarchy wouldn't stand a chance. <laughs>